As I mentioned, we're going to pause on the current series, Reflections in Psalms and Proverbs. And in light of the fact that the month of March is Missions Awareness Month at Crossway Church, we're going to actually have five missions-focused messages. Today's message will be more foundational, bedrock, and biblical basis of why missions is so important. Uh, not, not, not just uh, in our church, but it, as a, the church, the body of Christ. So the title of the message today is a Mission, God's Sovereign Plan for the Whole World. There is a two different words that you will see, and it might be a little bit confusing, so let me uh, come right out and de- define that. When you hear the singular mission, it can be defined as all that God wants done. Missions are the tasks that we need to do for that mission of God. I think it will be important for us to debunk some myth, at least four of them. Here's the first one. Myth number one about missions is missions is only for extraordinary Christians, special Christians. Bob and Grace, Boy and Cindy, if you knew them, if you knew them before they left, you, you wouldn't say it. Because we hear about, especially Boy and Cindy, there's hilarious stories about their marital fights and, you know, uh, sometimes even more colorful than Jay and Suji's ones. <laughs> Very humorous way, in good ways. Um, they had two kids, minivan, uh, Lexus, condo house, and we were all friends of them. And one day, they didn't just talk about it, and they said, we are really going. As a result, result, and for those of you relatively new, let me say this. When we were sending off that uh, commissioning service, every single family was presented here, represented here, together. I can't say everyone is here. Maybe one of them was, you know, doing uh, child care or whatnot. But that was encouraging. On top of that, every single one of our families were financially supporting. It means so much. That's, by the way, our strategy. Our church is very small. Uh, we don't want to thin out in many different ways. So Wade and Helen has their support. And Bob and Grace, they have their support. We actually focus on financial giving-wise to Boy and Cindy. And there is a reason for that. For those of you new, you should talk to um, Ho or, or Jay or Stan, you know, one of our elders, and to find out how can I participate in that. Once you participate, Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart is also. That's why we want to hold off on spreading uh, way too much. 
And then another way of a central pot, like that you give, and church takes care of our missionaries, there is no connection. That's why Boy and Cindy are so uh, kind of looked at as such an extraordinary case by their missionary friends because how they, how can you do this? We don't even have a regular connection with our church, home church. Not to mention, you know, not getting enough support from the church as well. But many of us care for them personally because of those reasons. The leadership team, our elders and I decided uh, unanimously to to make a statement as a missions month also too. So although we don't give regular giving uh, to to other missionary families, for Bob and Grace, we made a, a commitment to give as a church. We're not asking for you to participate in that, but as a budget. And uh, another one that we chose as a church uh, is a Daniel Holmquist. You probably remember Daniel Holmquist coming, and he was a local pastor who's actually packed up and to go to uh, East Asia and to work with the unreached people group and other unreached people group. And then, you know, the Bowen Grace are very involved in the same group as well. So we made a commitment to give one-time gift to them, to Daniel Holmquist and his family as well. Myth number two, missions is more for big churches. Always small, ready, we don't even have a big budget. No. If you look at look through the book of Acts, from day one, and they're part of the sharing the gospel and global mission as well. And if you belong to Crossway Church, we have began our mission's involvement from day one, even before we declare uh, officially the name of Crossway Church when few of us are gathering in our living room. Number three, involvement in missions is great but optional. It's like an extra credit kind of thing. But optional, oh, I'm not really into that. I'll be more into studying the Bible or something. And no, this is a calling of God for every believer in Christ Jesus. The obedience is the matter. So whether we obey personally or we disregard his calling, but it is never optional. I see the probably the last one is most applicable to many of you. Many of you are so willing, but saying, "I plan to get involved." Plan to get him. Sorry about that. I plan to get involved in missions when I have time and resources. I have young kids. There is no way. We're financially tight. There is no way. Let me remind you. Jesus' illustration and his parable of Good Samaritan. Levite, 
priest chose their convenience. And they might have a good excuse, which is actually, in reality, lame excuses. So one of the important points of that vision message is, is that we are to love our neighbor in this season of our life without delaying it. We will have other responsibilities, other problems, other financial issues, even when we get to the time that we think that we're more free. So in whatever you can, start with the first step. That's what we are actually doing this Missions Awareness Month for. So that none of us, none of Crossway family member will say, oh, that's good, but I'm not in it yet. No, you could start with prayer. That's one step into the missions, getting involved in missions. You could start finding out Bob and Grace and ask for their coffee with seems monthly. And you could contact even you know, Boy and Cindy or the, one of our elders to find out how can I participate in giving regularly to them. And you could actually Skype with Wade and Helen. So, as I mentioned, with this in mind, let's go to Genesis 12 and find out where this all started. It didn't start from man. It was not man's idea. It was actually God. Genesis 12 points out about three very important things. The big picture of the story of God's mission for the redemption of all peoples. Number one, it is the sovereign God of the universe who calls us to his mission. Verse 1, now the Lord said to Abram, this is the name that he used to have before God's new name that given to him, Abraham. So he was still Abram. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He doesn't say where is the destination. He just say, leave. And a few things that I think we need to know is that uh, who is this Lord? Who is this God in the name of Yahweh? And then when you see the capital L, capital O, capital R, D, that is the, the English translation of the word. Yahweh, I, I am that I am. The second question is, who is this Abraham? There's basically calling of Abraham. Why did he call? What is the promise? What's the fulfillment of the promise? And if you look at verse 1 itself, one would think that in our modern academical world said, oh, this is a, supposed to be a 
the God of the Hebrews, because the Hebrews nation, the tribe came out of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and Jacob becomes the Israelites. So this is about God, the Jewish God, or they will say uh, Christians adopted, and it's a Christian God, as if there are Muslim God, and there's Buddhist God, and different gods out there. No. In the beginning, Genesis 1, 1, God, singular, created the heavens and the earth. This God, it wasn't a, a, among many gods. This God was one and only God, one true God, one sovereign God, creator and sustainer and giver of life. God, throughout the Bible, repeats this revelation over and over. And through the Exodus study, we, we learned that the purpose, the main purpose of the ten plagues so to, to let the people know, not only Egyptians, but Israelites, that I am the Lord, that I am Yahweh, that I am God, and there is no one else. Isaiah has a lot of that. We went through quite of several verses. I just picked one, 45 verse 5. I am the Lord, there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. In other words, we're not talking about tribal gods showing up and showing favor. God of the universe, the galaxies and the universe and the stars and sun and moon, Earth were created by him. Not only Jews, but every ethnic groups in the world, in different race and different ethnic groups, were created by God, this God, and there is no other God. Sovereign God calls us. When he called Abraham, the sovereign God had a plan. He had a plan from the beginning to the end of human history. God doesn't react, God initiates. God has a sovereign plan and then he has no problem carrying it out no matter how evil people are, no matter how skewed people's view of him is. He will, he will accomplish it. So get this. The big picture is this. When you hear the word sovereignty of God, this is what we mean, what the Bible means. From the beginning of the universe to the end of the human history, God has a sovereign plan. He will sovereignly fulfill his plan. And this promise that he made was 4,000 years ago with Abraham. What was the promise? 
the promise was basically, I'll give you blessing. Actually, namely three things. I'll give you land. I'll give you many offsprings, posterity. And I will give you blessing, spiritual blessing. He didn't know full thing about that. Because of the spiritual blessing, we are the seeds of Abraham as well by faith. Abraham was not just a Abraham, the father of Israelites, Hebrews. Abraham was father of faith, into which every human being who puts their person, personal faith in Jesus Christ can be part of God's family, the faith and the seeds of offspring of, true offsprings of Abraham. So that leads to number two. It is the sovereign grace of God by which we are blessed as the covenant people of God. Verse 2, God says, I will make you make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make you your name great. At this time, Abraham and Sarah had no sons, no offsprings whatsoever. And the, the promise is fulfilled 20 years later. One son, not several sons, Isaac. But pulling back a little bit, the question that I ask is, was Abraham good-looking? Is he cute? Is that why God chose him? Or did, did, did he have certain manner in his relational character that he was so good that God liked him? No, the answer, straight answer is he didn't deserve it. He was not that different from anybody else. So are you and me, I. It is sovereign grace of God, unmerited favor of God, that we cannot earn it, we cannot deserve it, that we cannot buy it. And God initiated that mercy, merciful act, and makes covenant. He trains the people of God and he treats them differently. But in the beginning, there is no expectation whatsoever. When God calls you and me, that he blesses us. And when you think about, and I, I think about this over and over these days, because of my brother and my, his health condition. And I think about eternity. In my own small mind, how long that would eternity be? And God has a plan. And Isaiah 60. Not only 66, but 60 was so glorious. There will be a day that we don't need a sun because God is our light. New heavens and earth. That we will live with him forever and ever. So when I think about that, my, my brother... 
maybe sometimes I think about what he's going through right now seems so big to me, overwhelming now. It controls my emotional life. But I realize sovereign God has a huge plan. And believe it or not, in a twinkling of an eye, when we, when we are embraced of God's welcome embrace, every single of those sufferings and, and pain and tears will vanish. That's a promise of God. But even not just the heaven and eternity and new, new heavens and earth reigning with Christ. Even in this earth, God has called us, has called us to bless us. Ephesians 1, there's a breathless praise all the things, the spiritual blessings that we have already received in Christ Jesus, that we did not earn it, that we don't have to act to get it. Everyone who are in Christ Jesus has this blessing. And Abraham has that also too. So for us, I chose to share how Apostle Paul quotes in Romans from the Old Testament, Hosea. Romans chapter 9, verse 25, he writes, As indeed he says in Hosea, Those who are not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. This is about Gentiles. Prophecy about Infolding of Gentiles as the people of God. Paul is saying, do not be surprised. This is how you are ushered in the people and household and offsprings of Abraham. So when, when we think about it, the one thing that is very truthful for us, it's a humility that we, it is requiring us. But at the same time, it's the perspective. What is true blessing and what is temporary blessing? And if we are so fixated on Orange County life, and you know, this Southern California life, what we end up thinking about blessing is a prosperity in terms of money, in terms of having things, in terms of succeeding in our career which is almost nothing compared to that spiritual blessing that lasts forever. So this is the vision of Crossway. Remember I said uh, one word in, in Crossway vision is summarizing God's centeredness. Why is that? Throughout this month, if I make you think about, change a little bit about your thoughts about God, then I'll be so happy and rejoice with God. Which is that you begin to see God as a big God. Our God is so big. I was trying to contain him and put him in a little box. I cannot do that. 
God is not useful for my own happiness. He needs to cooperate. This is a man-centered, this is pragmatic view of God, which became a false gospel, the prosperity gospel. But we begin to see God has actually sovereign plan. He calls us and he invites us to to be part of his life, his plan. And his big picture. And it doesn't stay there. The reason why it is missions, because the third point is probably the, the punchline of all this. It is the sovereign purpose of God that we are blessed, not to be just blessed amongst us, but to be a blessing to all peoples, that's not misspelled, peoples in a, in, in a way that every people group on this earth, not geopolitical nations like U.S. And, and Japan and Korea, Pakistan, no, every ethno-linguistic people group like the groups that um, Wade and Helen and Boy and Cindy are working with. Why? Because God is a missionary God, John Stott says. So true. God, from the beginning of the time, he started pursuing his mission to restore and to redeem the people of God. And the question is, when we look at verse 3, so that you will be a blessing, you, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will, cur- I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth. That's what I mean by ethno-linguistic people groups, so families of God, of the earth shall be blessed. In Jesus' words, go therefore, Matthew 28, verse 19 and below, go therefore and make disciples all nations, same thing. Penta, ta, ethne. People group. Every people group on, on, on earth. My point is very simple today. This morning, will you continue to your own little view of God and that seek your end as your happiness and your little family's happiness and our little church's happiness? Or should we rearrange our life and our purpose, our goals to this big picture that God is good? That God is powerful. That God has a sovereign plan. And then simply to respond is to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Father. I will be part of your... I, I, I am already part of your, your plan. But I want to be obedient to the sovereign plan of God. So whether it's anti-trafficking in local whether it's reaching out to the poor in the inner cities, 
whether we are going to the overseas, to the unrich people group, we are to go. And each Sunday as we are highlighting the different missions at our church, pay attention and see the heart of God. And basically the calling is not just for the extraordinary people again, but every single one of us. And here's like a one beggar sharing to another beggar. Good news. Once you step into an obedient life, there's so much joy. When we participate in God's work and God's plan, there is so much depth of joy. I wish you could experience that together. I should say, let's experience it together. I want to close with this quote. A couple of quotes. One is from the consummation of this plan. Revelations. This is a picture of heaven. That Jewish people are only there. It's not only Asians who are really there. Revelation verse chapter 7, verse 9 through 12. Listen to this. And hear your heart responding to God and to this picture. Verse 9. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders, and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and then ever. That is why we do mission. Statsworth, my book mentor and hero, actually, uh, how I caught my passion and vision. He was instrumental. He writes about what we've been studying and meditating this morning. If God has promised to bless all the families of the earth, he has promised to do so through Abraham's seed. Now we are Abraham's seed by faith, and the earth families will be blessed only if we go to them with the gospel. That is God's plain purpose. I pray that these words, all the families of the earth, may be written on our hearts. It is the expression more than any other which reveals a living God of the Bible to be a missionary God. It is, the expression, it is this expression, too, which condemns all our petty parochialism and narrow nationalism and in our racial pride, whether 
white or black, our condescending paternalism and arrogant imperialism. How dare we adopt a hostile or scornful or even indifferent attitude to any person of another color or culture if our God is the God of the all families of the earth? We need to become global Christians with a global vision, for we have a global God. So may God help us never to forget his 4,000-year-old promise to Abraham. By you and your descendants, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this reminder. And thank you that you are a missionary God who calls us to join you in your mission, in your big picture. Help us to see that that is the best way to live. The greatest treasure and joy is in your plan. Would you open our eyes individually, the heart, the eyes of the heart? And would you wake up our church to love our neighbor and not only around us, but to the ends of the earth that we will gladly go because of this big picture? Change us, transform us this month. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.